Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, welcome to another podcast episode. Today's big topic, we have a guest with us, Herdeen Mercier. She is a grief coach and therapist. And um, again, as with many of my podcasts, I think we found each other through a Facebook group. And I invited her to be a part of the podcast because as we've talked about many times and we'll talk about many more times, grief is such an important part of our healing process when we talk about abortion. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to see where this conversation takes us. I am too. And I'm so honored that you thought to invite me. Uh, I, I love creating spaces where we can have honest conversations that speaks to our hearts and helping people set themselves free just by listening to our dialogue. So I'm super stoked. I'm looking forward to where this goes. And I already know it's going to be a blessing. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, now we enter story hour and I get to read to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all ears. All righty. So as I navigated the waters of my own abortion, my heartache started melding with the pain of the collective. I felt quickly, long before I started sharing with others. Instinctively, I knew that the club I just entered was dark, quiet, and thick with untold stories. Stories of millions of women held captive by their secrets. I felt their pain started flooding. I felt their pain start flooding in and layering on top of the already heart-tugging experience of deciding to choose termination. This collective energy I felt was not of women bearing the weight of personal guilt, shame, or regret. For some women, those things exist, but what I felt was uncertainty, oppression, and confusion. This collective energy I tapped into during my abortion was a result of years of stacking stories of disconnection. Grandmothers disconnected from their children, sisters disconnected from each other, friendships that never connected at the heart, young girls disconnected from their maternal elders. Everywhere I turned, the systems felt broken. Everywhere I looked, there was a layer of loss. In my own sadness, I could now see the unresolved grief that had always surrounded me. My abortion gave me a lens to see and feel what I'd been overlooking. In a time when I needed support more than ever, I was swirling in a sea of collective grief and disconnection. Mm -hmm. In our fast-paced society, everyone is going, going, going. I'm just going to break into my own piece here and say, I wrote this um, actually about two years ago when I was writing pieces of my book. And when I read this paragraph, 
because um, Herdina and I are recording in the midst of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when I started reading this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so appropriate to what we're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, so I'll go back to my reading. Yes. <laughs> in, in our fast-paced society, everyone is going, going, going. And most of us are missing, missing, missing. We're missing the lessons, missing the point, and missing each other. Connection to self, spirit, and one another is being broken by our overwhelming work hours, our constant search for more, and our ability to plug in and detach from the present moment. In all this disconnection, we're losing sight of who we are and what really matters. We're absent when we need each other most. So much of the pain I felt in the process of my abortion was the pain of a collective emptiness. It was the deepest loneliness I'd ever felt. I felt like I'd stumbled across a break in the system and was swept into an isolation room for cleansing before re-entrance. I now had access to a level of brokenness I'd never felt before. Despite the weight of this realization, I knew it wasn't me that was broken. It was the human culture I was living within. All human beings grieve. Merriam-Webster defines grieving to feel deep sadness or mental pain. In the world I grew up in, grief was reserved for loss of a loved one. And even then, it had to fall into boxes that didn't disrupt the system too much. Grief was only entitled to behaviors that kept other people comfortable. Funerals, girlfriends, support groups, therapy, alone time. As soon as it slipped into or disrupted everyday productivity, a red flag went up. Things got awkward. We weren't taught as human beings how to manage our own grief, much less the grief of someone else. And in a Band-Aid society, grief, like many other things, was reserved for boxes so as not to disrupt the whole. The problem with this cultural experience is that human beings feel grief all the time, and they have no idea what to do with it. Let's look back to the definition, to feel deep sadness or mental pain. Sounds pretty human, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Loss of an idea, incompletion of a goal, lack of direction, loss of a job, loneliness, mm -hmm. threatened safety, parting ways of a friend. This list could go on for pages. In our daily lives, there are so many layers of grieving that go unattended to. That when the big stuff comes in, like death of a loved one, or in our case, abortion, we move into complete shock and often confusion. The loss turns into a combination of all our grief. It comes exploding out with an eruptive force. Sometimes we recover from this explosion, sometimes we do not. Grief calls for our attention, and if it goes unresolved, it builds again until the next eruption. During the course of my abortion, there was grieving, but mostly there was an understanding of deep sadness and mental pain, followed by a lack of tools to manage it. At a time when what I needed most was connection, I felt completely disconnected from the world. I was fortunate to have some close to loved ones who allowed me to grieve, but even they didn't realize that I wasn't just grieving for myself. 
I was grieving for us all. I was grieving in the broken place in humanity where we abandon one another right when we need each other most. I promise I'm almost done. <laughs> Abortion for me was a death of many things. A baby that wouldn't come, a loss of trust I had in my body and in birth control, a loss of disillusioned reproductive freedom, a change in my relationship, friendships that wouldn't withstand my choice, loss of control. But there was also a birth in my abortion, birth that came because I chose not to avoid my grief. I was gifted a new important perspective. I stepped into a stronger version of myself. I made new connections and joined new networks. My purpose and life path became clearer. My vulnerability and transparency forged connections in both new and existing relationships. I embraced the opportunity to grow. My window into grief through abortion could have been a dark cloud, but it became one of the greatest gifts of my life. The end. Wow. It's so many things that, you know, I need to dissect, pull back the therapist in me, <laughs> the coach in me, and the host of redefining grief in me. It's just, I don't know where to begin, but we must begin. We must begin. We can talk about anything. <laughs> this will probably be one of those episodes where we end saying we could record five more podcasts together. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I, I think where I would begin is is having everybody said it, and you said it in the piece that this grief is this normal reaction to any loss. Yeah. That is the missing piece um, yeah. that people don't often understand. They think because you commit the act, you should not have an emotional reaction to the act. That is so, that just nails everything I felt, particularly yeah. with abortion. Yeah. Especially if it's something that they don't agree with. Oh, totally. So there is a lot of blame. There is a lot of heartache that compounds on top of each other, leaving you to feel further isolated. And grief can be very isolating. Right. I constantly say this thing. And I said, I need a shirt that says, stop policing my grief. Oh, that's so good. How come you haven't made that shirt yet? I, I need to. I need to. <laughs> stop policing my grief. Mm. And the truth of the matter is that what people don't understand is we are all grievers. Yeah. Yeah. It's what makes us human. Yes. It's, it's a part of us to grieve. However, some of us have been muffled by this idea that grieving or showing any signs of emotional, emotional heartache your heart has broken, you may cry. Your heart has broken, you may turn to gambling. You may turn to do all these things. However, it's learning that grief is normal. I find that you will then be able to find the healthy choices to make. One of the examples that I like to say is that I love sugar and I love to eat, all right? I love to, if my emotions are not where they needs to be, where they need to be, I will find myself eating a lot more, right? Yeah. But what 
I have done because I recognize that I'm grieving, I found a healthier pattern. All that sugar is not good for me. And so I spend time in my reflection garden. I had my husband create two beds for me where I just go out there and I plant. I have little tubs outside and I have pineapples. I have herbs. I have tea. Oh my goodness. I have uh, bananas. You know, I live in Florida, so I'm able to grow these things, tropical weather. But I'm able to go out there and plant a seed and watch that. For me, that represents there's hope. Yeah. I strongly believe in, you know, faith of a mustard seed. So I see it in my garden. Yeah. And so instead of going to the ice cream, I plant in 45 days or 60 days or 75 days, depending on what I'm growing in my garden, I get a harvest. Right. Your grief has turned into something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so in acknowledging your grief, you can turn it into something. Yeah. You can turn it into something. And the biggest mistake that people make is that they try they need to understand that grief is an emotional thing, not an intellectual thing. It's an emotional piece. Yeah. And sometimes we try to intellectualize grief and put it in these compartments. However, if you don't tap into the heart, baby, if you don't tap into the heartache of what you're feeling, your emotions will be driving you down a hole, a very dark hole. Yeah. That you can't read it out of it. Yeah. You really have to spend time dissecting the heart and what that feeling you're feeling. Dissecting it and spending time. And one of the anchors that I've developed, five anchors. One of the anchors that I've developed is called the connection anchor. Mm. And in the connection anchor, I said, there's power in community. I've said it earlier. Mm. Grief can be very isolating right? But if you understand that you have community that sees you, hear you, and acknowledge your feelings without judgment, ooh la la, it shortens the process. Right? I love that you say shortens. Be very clear about that. We're not eliminating the process. No, 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 no. You will never, ever, 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 ever hear her Dean Mercier say, get over it. Right? Oh man. No, it could have happened 25 years ago. Yes. And it's that number of 25 that triggers you in what I call grief pacifying, or it's not even grief pacifying. I call it, um, oh my Lord, it just left me a grief flare ups. Mm, Ooh, I like that. I, I call it a grief flare up and it's a grief flare up because you finally realize oh crap, it's 25 years. Remember, grief can be anything. It could be a divorce, right? Yeah. And you realize, and it finally hits you that although you divorced that spouse 12 years ago, right? And now it's the 25th year of what was supposed to be your wedding anniversary. You just realized the dream that you had of you all renewing your vows at 25, the 25th year, is it happening? Yeah. I think that the flare-ups come too, like, like with this pandemic, right? Like many of us are experiencing grief 
-hmm. And it's with that, that feeling is so visceral for us, but we haven't made the connection. So we start thinking about our abortion or our divorce or our um, neglect in childhood. And we're not making the connection that our body is feeling grief. It might be from a loss of job. It might be from a loss of a social life. Our body goes like, oh, grief. I know that feeling. I had it during the abortion. I had it when I got divorced. I had it when I lost my child, whatever it is. And we're not putting those connections together. So those flare ups come and we're not even like connecting the dots. Mm -mm. And when the flare up comes, what I want you to realize, those feelings feel unnatural, although they're natural. Yeah. Their, feel, their feelings are unnatural because we've never been taught how to sit in that feeling. Yes. And be still. And I, I don't, do you find this with your clients? I think that it just takes one opportunity. You, you heal that in your loss of a job and you also heal it for a piece of your divorce and you also heal it for your abortion. And you also, so every time we feel it is an opportunity to heal it everywhere, past, present, and future. Because you know why? You can now identify what it is. Yeah. My first anchor that I teach is the truth anchor. Which okay. So you've told us one anchor connection and then we got lost maybe okay. in another world. Okay. So <laughs> connection, truth is another. That's, yes. So okay, the so. very first one is the truth anchor. Okay. Yeah. The truth anchor represents freedom. Mm. Too many times you talked about the hidden secrets when you were reading, right? Yeah. Too many times we have hidden secrets that we believe are hidden, but really dictating our day-to-day -day life. Totally. <laughs> so are they secret? No. No. We they just are don't. controlling our emotions. Exactly. They are controlling our day-to-day -day in and out. Yeah. And so they have more control of us because we think there's this false illusion that we're hiding it and we're not. No, and so, so my good. belief is if you shine a light on that secret and it's not saying I'm shining, I'm shining a light on it to tell the entire world. No, I'm shining a light on it to be truthful with myself. Yes. <laughs> so I owe true. myself that much. Yeah. We talk about self-love and self-care and the pampering and everything else. The truth shall set you free. Mm. And so the very first anchor, before I even talk about faith, is telling the truth. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes it's telling the truth with your master, whoever. Is it God? However you see it. You're the creator of the universe. For me, it's God. It's saying, God, man, I thought you had my back. Mm. I'm hurting right now. And what I found to be true is that some of us aren't telling the truth because we feel like God cannot or handle our questions mm. and we shouldn't be questioning. He's my father. I am supposed to question him and trust him to give me a response. Yeah. And trust him to give me a response. And so for me, my response come in the garden, baby. Nice. I love it. <laughs> so you need to be able to sit still, sit still and the, know that he is God now and sitting still 
you have to allow yourself to get quiet. Yeah. And don't allow the distractions of your heartache to have you not listen to the whisper. And the whisper represents to me is my connection with the creator and him dictating or speaking to me. I, I shouldn't even say he, he's not a dictator because we have a choice at the end of the day. And so knowing that you have that choice and power and communication with him, it allows you to set yourself free. And so the very second anchor is the heart. Mm. And the heart can be restored. Mm. Let me tell you something about restored. Too many times we feel like because our hearts are broken, we are then broken. Yeah. And that's it. No, no, no. You have a life to live. And in the midst of chaos, you still have purpose. In the midst of chaos. I think that's you when you have have purpose. Yeah. And you have such a new lens to see and feel your purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that restoration actually makes us stronger. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so the third one, which I explained earlier, is that connection. Mm-hmm. Tap into community that sees you, hears you and validates your feeling. I have a community, a free Slack group. Um, If you visit my website, you'll be able to join the community. Did you say a free Slack group? Mm -hmm. Nice. A a free Slack group. Yeah. And it's called Grief Crusaders. Mm, Nice. And, And it's just us coming together as grievers to do those things. I see you, I feel you, and I validate because too many times people see grieving your grief experience as a lonely one. So yeah. why not find community that's going to see you and hear you and not judge you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in this abortion conversation, that's what so many of us are struggling with. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to find a community around miscarriage or divorce or childhood neglect or, and the abortion community is, is quiet and hiding. And so that's what I'm trying to create. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I agree with you a hundred percent. We need community in this. And one in four women are walking these paths and not with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's crazy. I think it's, I think we heal in the midst of the chaos when we come together. Yeah. I think that that's possible. And then I have my faith and there's a reason mm-hmm. I don't start off. There's a reason I don't. So number four is faith. Uh huh. Uh huh. Number four is faith. There's a reason I don't start off with faith, and I don't start off with faith because I strongly believe a lot of us use faith to mask how we feel. Mm -hmm. And as like an ex, I I find a lot of us use faith as like a external resource too, Mm -hmm. instead of that inner guidance. To mask that. Yeah. I'm going to church. I look good. Yes, right. I'm all well. The smile, this fake smile on my face. God is good all the time. But the truth of the matter is remember, first anchor truth is you're heartbroken. Yeah. You're sad. And when you get back home after church, you are an emotional wreck. Can't get out of bed. You feel like there's no purpose to your life, and there is. And that's not faith. I know. That's not faith. No. That's not what 
our creator wants for us. And that is just my belief. Yeah. Um, and so that faith anchor represents trust without reservation. Mm-hmm. I am going to trust you, although I don't know what it's going to look like, but I've shined the light on the truth. I've talked to you about my heartache. I have found community and now I'm going to anchor down in my faith and trust you without reservation, knowing that baby, when I take that next step there, you will provide the staircase. That's what yeah. it's saying. And yeah. then, and I think that sometimes we have to hit that. We have to hit that darkness to, to feel the faith. Like I found even in this pandemic, I'm hitting a whole new level of faith and trust. Mm -hmm. I'm understanding emotionally what I didn't understand in what I understood intellectually before, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't feeling it. And so faith and trust have I think come in their strongest version at the darkest times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Okay. So what's number five? Number five is restoration. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get you to a place of being restored. Now this is the key. This is the key with restoration. When people, sometimes when people hear restoration is think that rep- restoration means going back to what was normal. Yes. <sighs> That's not restoration. Restoration is saying, I am going to restore you back to the peace that God had wanted for you in your life. Yeah. It's God original plan. And yours. it's like evolution to me. Like a restoration is an evolution. It's not a, I, again, like I keep coming, I mean, I can't not keep coming back to the to coronavirus because it's where we are, but I'm, I just sent out a newsletter about this. I feel like there's this sense of like when things get back to normal. No, that's not the purpose of this. <laughs> it's not what, that is not our goal. Restoration, evolution, evolvement. That's our goal. That's, there's a, there's yeah. a becoming experience that happens when we allow ourselves to go to restoration, 9-11 happened. I remember where I was, what I did. And every time I have to go through, go to the airport for a retreat or going to an airport for a speaking event, whatever, I'm go- for travel with my family. I'm reminded that I have to take off my shoes. And this is what restoration looks like in America. Yeah. After 9-11. Yeah is that I'm taking off my shoes, I am spreading my arms, I am spreading my legs to be checked, okay? Restoration, that's what it looked like. And now we have this event right now where everybody's in quarantine mode, your normalcy is out the window, you are grieving going into your workplace, people are grieving, that they can't see family members. People are grieving because they cannot attend a a funeral of a friend. People are grieving for so many other factors. But the truth of the matter is, we don't know what that restoration is going to look like. But what I can promise you, it will not be the same. Yes. And too many people get stuck in grief, trying to make it go back and look like the same. Yeah. I see this 
more clearly in abortion than I see it anywhere else. It's mm -hmm. this, I think, and it has to do with that hiding. I'll just put it away. I'll put it in a box. I'll go back to work. I don't want anyone to think I needed extra time off. Uh, I'm going to just pretend it never happened. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's creating so much heartache for people. And like you said earlier, they think that they're, they think they're not living with it every day, mm -hmm. but it's dictating their lives on this sub like deep subconscious level. Mm -hmm. um, and that evolution, that restoration is not happening unless you do the work, unless you feel the feelings, unless you face I'm going back to your steps, your, your five anchors, right? Unless you feel and see that truth of, of who you are now, because you're never the same. You're never the same after an experience like that. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I think the false truth or the reality is that most individuals who have to had had an abortion, whether it was medically recommended by the doctor, mm -hmm. yeah. they went in and they made the choice is everything is going to be normal. How is it normal that every time that day comes around, because it comes around every year, you're thinking, oh, my child would have been five or my child would have been three or my child would have been 10. My child would have been graduating high school. My child would have been graduating college. or some of us may be feeling guilt that we don't have those emotions. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So it's a grief. It's, yeah. it's this conflicting feeling. And the only way to deal with it is to tell the truth about how you feel. So then you can take the next necessary action step towards healing. And that's what I just want to teach. If we anchor down in these five mm. of my fundamental mm -hmm. beliefs, where I believe that grief, happiness, and sadness can coexist in a delicate balance. That is my, that is my belief. Yeah. I oh, I love that. In a delicate balance. balance. Mm. That happiness and sadness mm -hmm. coexist in a delicate balance. Yeah. Instead of faking the funk of, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm dressed right, I'm going out and... When you're home and by yourself, you're miserable. Yeah, yeah. I find too, and I, again, I don't know a lot about your, your anchor points, and I, now I want to learn even more. But I find that um, in the population that I am serving around abortion, there's this tendency to grab onto other people's truths mm. and to, to anchor to someone else's truth, mm. whether it's you're a murderer or you have every right to do what you want with your body or and because there's so little room for the mid the gray where most of us are mm -hmm. um that a lot of women think that they they need to attach to someone else's truth and it's really your truth and your connection with spirit and your path and your purpose that is the truth that you need to connect with i think a lot of us have a hard time standing in our truth because standing in our truth truly means accepting all of us. Yeah, yeah. It truly means looking in the mirror and having that mirror reflect what it actually sees. Yeah. And some, for some individuals, 
that can be terrifying. Yeah, yeah. So you mean I have to accept that I com- I did this act? Right. You mean that I have to really process it and I can't blame anyone else? Yeah. 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 Oh, blame, that's a big one in abortion too. Yeah. Oh. And so <laughs> in standing in your truth, there's yeah. something so freeing that comes yeah. from it. Yeah. I think yep. a lot of us stay in bondage of the blame. Yes. And owning that choice. Like I made that choice because it was the best choice I could have made in the time I had to make it. I might not make that choice again. Mm-hmm. I might absolutely make that choice again, mm-hmm. but I own that I made it and I made it with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I might have forgotten my connection to that purpose, but at the time I was ready to try for a healthier pregnancy, or I was ready to find a new life partner, or I was ready to get out of an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. There was a reason you made that choice and to just own it, or just, I was scared and I didn't know what else to do. (laughs) That, right, to just Uh take, take back that power of I made that choice. And it could be, I made that choice because I was more fearful about what society would say about me being pregnant out of wedlock. It goes against what my upbringing teaching was. I was more afraid of that, not knowing that it would have come with another bag of unresolved grief. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's like whichever path you, whichever path you take, you still got to process all the emotions. (laughs) It's not like if I'd made a different choice, I wouldn't have felt all these things. No, you would have felt all the things. It just had a slightly different flavor. And, and, and let me add this. You may be listening to this interview and thinking, well, I'm not having those emotional issues. Let me tell you how unresolved grief may show up for you. It may show up for you by you being a workaholic because by you being a workaholic, you don't have to sit long enough to deal with your unresolved grief. And you're proving yourself in some yes, way. Yes, yes. Yeah. It may show up for you by you becoming an um, emotional eater. It yeah. may show up for you by you having suicidal behaviors. It may show up for you by um, you drinking a lot or isolating yourself, not wanting to be around loved ones, not wanting to attend baby showers, not wanting to be around anyone who's happy. Yeah. Um, It may show up for you by self-inflicting injuries. It may show up for you by setting yourself up by being in toxic relationships that take up all your time due to the drama that toxic relationship comes with. What am I saying, Herdeen? Right. Your toxic relationship is now becoming a distraction from what you really need to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. There's so Mm. many things. There's so many things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as with every episode, we're just scratching the surface and asking new questions and opening new doors for people. And everyone will take away one little piece that they hadn't before. Where's the best place for people to learn more about these anchors? Herdeemercier.com. And one of the things that I love to provide is I have this book on my website with 61 tips to really explain grief to you. Mm. The way the world has explained it, the truth behind grief. Yeah. And so that you have a clear understanding and what you'll find is you'll say, 
Oh my God, I experienced grief there. Oh my God, I experienced the grief emotion there. Oh my God, I experienced the grief emotion there. Another thing is that I like to say is join my community. Yeah, I love that it's on Slack too yeah. and not yeah. social media. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I think mm -hmm. that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Join my community. If you go to my website, herdeanmercier.com, you can then go into resources and under resources, it will say join the community. Is that where the book is too? The yes. 61? Yes. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Everything is there. Um, you can find me or listen to more of my tips around grief at Redefining Grief podcast with her Dean Mercier. I'm also on social media all platforms from awesome. LinkedIn to um, Instagram to Facebook. I'm there. Pinterest. I, I love it. A Pinterest page. Surround so grief. And so I want to hear from you. I think my love language, and I know it's words of affirmation. Mm. If you heard of anything today, affirm me. I, um, that's just my love language. That's just to say that I'm on the right track. Yeah. Of helping hearts heal. That's just, and so purposeful living can be restored. That's yeah. what I want. As Beautiful. a grief coach and a therapist, I want broken hearts to heal so that you could be restored and not go to your grave empty or full, full with all your gifts, full with all your talents, full with everything that God created you to do because you weren't willing to take time to, with yourself to deal with the mess yeah and what an amazing opportunity we have right now mm -hmm. to to do some of this processing mm -hmm. so many of us are finding time and space that we didn't have even if it's just that 45 minutes you used to commute to work mm -hmm. and now you can sit with your coffee and mm -hmm. do some journaling and be still yeah yeah Oh, thank you so much. Um, we will make sure to get you all connected up so people can reach out and, um, and, and either work with you or ask you questions or just tell you how amazing this was. <laughs> yes. And I also um, forgot to say on May 7th, I will be doing a free webinar. That information will be going on my website pretty soon. A free webinar around grief very detailed, going in, going into all the basics, because I am on a mission as the chief grief crusader to educate people on the power of understanding grief. Beautiful. And, so, and if people are listening to this past May 7th, um, is that something you keep a recording of? I am going to, yes, I'm going to have a recording of it and I will be doing it again. My goal is to keep doing it because I'm on a mission to heal broken hearts. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom and your passion. You. Um, grief is a topic that can seem very somber, but it doesn't have to be. We can do really bright, beautiful work in this space. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.